Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Paydirt, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Paydirt. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA, but coming in September, it's our official beer, the Paydirt IPA. Be on the lookout, but Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Paydirt is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures head to betonline.ag today and use your mobile device to join and place your first bet use our promo code believe 50 that's b-l-e-a-v-5-0 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit pater is presented by bet online where the game starts and of course we invite you to head to shop.believe.com that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search pater for our two t-shirts one comes in navy blue white and black, and it has the official show logo over the heart. And the other comes in navy blue. It's got the Pater word mark over the heart. And on the back, it has Matt McGloin's name and number circa the 2012 Penn State football team, which, of course, this season we will be honoring the 10-year anniversary of that team. So, again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believ.com and search Pater for our two T-shirts. I want to thank you for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College, as well as checking out the podcast podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network. It's available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB 11, and at Tom Hannafin. Matt, Today, we pat ourselves on the back because <laughs> it has been one year of patered as of Yesterday, this airs on Wednesday. We're filming and recording this on Tuesday, August 9th. One year of pay dirt. Did you ever think we'd get here? (laughs) You know what? I didn't even think about it, man. I've just enjoyed doing the show every single week. And I think for us, we've, you know, uh, had to figure out a few things early on. Like, what did the show, you know, want to sound like? What what was our routine going to be? And I I mean, obviously, I think we're in full stride right now. We appreciate... um, you know, our listeners, our loyal listeners, the Penn State fans, the Penn State community. Um, thank you so much for listening. We continue to grow. Um, I, I just I, I've enjoyed breaking the game down, previewing the game, talking about Penn State football. Obviously, something Tom we're very passionate about. What's been awesome is reaching out, talking to, and having former Penn State you know, student athletes on the yes. podcast. That's been that's been so incredible. Um, you know, over the past few months or so. And we know, you know, to those listening here, we know you guys have enjoyed it. So thank you so much. But this episode right now is something we've been looking forward to back in the football talk, right? Training camp has kicked off, Tom. And, you know, it's funny because 
I was at um, uh, Penn State Quarterback Club uh, last week and I had the opportunity to speak, had the opportunity to actually hear Pat Kraft speak as mm. well. And one of the things that you know I thought was incredible was Pat Kraft's energy, how passionate he is about Penn State, how honest he was with, with the crowd at, at, at the quarterback club. I mean, I... I I just I feel like he was the right guy for that higher athletic director, and I can't wait to see what the future of Penn State athletics looks like under his watch. Uh, but going back to what I was talking about with training camp kicking off, as I was driving in, you know, like the first thing you see is a stadium when you're mm-hmm. driving in on the highway, and immediately I got like that uh, that training camp feeling like in my stomach, like the nervousness, the excitement. I'm thinking to myself, I don't even play anymore. Why, why do right. I have this feeling? Stomach turns over a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of that feeling like I know what's in store today at training camp, right? We've got two practices. We have meetings. We have to lift. There's gut. There's definitely going to be conditioning after practice today. It's a lot of work, but in a way I miss that feeling, you know, but, uh, but again, it's an, it's an exciting time for this team. Um, offensively and defensively, a lot of questions. and I look forward to getting into all that right now. Yeah, and uh, just a, a note for all our listeners on ESPN Radio State College, we will be moving uh, to our normal two episodes a week format once the season begins. Uh, we will let you guys know what that is going to look like and especially when the podcast is going to come out. So um, we'll be getting you guys game previews, game recaps, and we're still going to continue to bring you guys interviews. Obviously, in season, we're going to be focusing on Penn State football 2022 and what's happening with the team. But we've had such a good time with all these different interviews. You talked about Pat Kraft. Well, Brandon Noble is a big fan. We had Brandon Noble on the podcast last week. The next two weeks, we're going to have Jordan Norwood, former Penn State wide receiver on the show, and former Penn State defensive end Jack Crawford is going to be on the show as we kind of wind down August, and then we get into the season with Penn State at Purdue to kick off the season on a Thursday night. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Let's start with some macro headlines before we get into the micro of what's happening at training camp. Um, Penn State comes into this season unranked in the coaches poll. Um, There have been some people uh, in regards to Penn State fans who think this is appropriate considering what the team was last year and what the projection is for this upcoming season. And then there's other people that are saying, well, the last time Penn State was unranked in the coaches poll entering a season, they won the Big Ten championship. That was in 2016. Which side of the fence do you land on in that discussion, Mr. McGloin? Yeah, unfortunately for our, you know, our loyal Penn State fans and supporters, um, I don't think they belong ranked. I said that a year ago, Tom. I didn't think they belong ranked last year, right? And I, I think it's the past couple of years as to, as to why you know they're not ranked this year. There's 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 a lot of question marks on both sides of the ball here. Obviously, the offensive line, the run game here. You do for how good. Penn State defense has been in years past, you have a new defensive coordinator, right? What could that look like under a guy who has been known as a defensive coordinator to, to be a heavy pressure team, right? Something that Penn State isn't necessarily used to seeing, right? We know Penn State traditionally likes to, you know, play that bend, but don't break defense. We're in the right position, force you to make mistakes, force you to make errors. So no, I saw they did get some votes, um, but they don't deserve to be ranked. There's too many question marks surrounding this team, but they have a few opportunities early in the season to make a statement and, and, and get into the top 25 if they want to. At Purdue was a big one. 
at Auburn is another gigantic opportunity in September to start building some momentum. Um, speaking of macro headlines, um, this is not necessarily something that Fans are going to feel immediately, but ESPN is out of the Big Ten media rights conversation. Um, this is something that's probably going to change, I think, by 2023, if I'm not mistaken, Matt. But at this point, it's a hodgepodge of NBC, CBS, and Fox that are all battling for Big Ten media rights because now we have these two mega conferences with the SEC and Big Ten, especially the Big Ten about to expand as of 2024 with USC and UCLA coming on board. So everybody's trying to get in early and the numbers that are being thrown around are just gargantuan, like $380 million a year to for, for media rights. And it's something you and I have talked about is that this is where college football is going, is that it's not necessarily you're going to be able to turn on your TV and, oh, I have cable, I can get my favorite football team. It's nope. At some point, and I fear this, is that you're going to need a certain streaming service that you pay for in order to see your favorite team. So this is a big development because ESPN and the Big Ten have been connected since 1982. So it's a significant change. And that is the only issue I see with this is that it has the potential to have too many media partners. And that can create a problem for fans and, and supporters of these football programs, especially older ones, because I, I know my parents will not know how to stream or get onto you know Apple TV or Amazon to watch football games, right? So it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, how, how the Big Ten handles that and how all these streaming devices and, and things like that play out. But, you know, the Big Ten is going to continue to expand. What does that do to the Pac-12? What does it do to the Big 12? Are teams now feeling like in a rush to have to get somewhere right over the next few years? We get to the, the Big answer Ten, we yes. get to the SEC, right? Yeah. Is is the Pac-12 and the Big 12 looking, you know, like it's going to close up shop over the next few years or so? I mean, it's what what it's turning into, Tom, is more of an NFL type landscape here in college football. And, I, and that was the question. Um, that I've been asked before was, does the Big Ten compare themselves to the SEC or this and that? And it's like, with it, with this media deals and, and having the opportunity to play on CBS, Fox, Fox Sports 1, NBC, Big Ten Network, does does it even matter anymore? Like, who cares, right? They're, 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 they're both just going in different directions, but they're both succeeding and dominating. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I mean, it, it's going to, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, Tom. But at the end of the day, as a fan, you know, um, just tell me what channel the game is on so I can have the opportunity to watch all these big 10 teams. Right. Relatively simple for the teams, but regards to the business side of things, it's, it's really escalating. It's fascinating to watch. And we'll have more on that here on the podcast as uh, things get finalized. Obviously, all this stuff is being uh, discussed as of now. So let's talk about training camp. Uh, it got underway on August 1st. Um, we've had a little time to process some of the comments from head coach James Franklin. Um, the players have gotten out there more in just uh, more than just walkthroughs or something like that or basic position drills, but there's plenty of information that's starting to come out in terms of how the team is looking for 2022. Uh, we got Matt McGloin on here, so let's start with quarterbacks. What are you feeling about the quarterback group? Obviously, the starter is going to be Sean Clifford. Yeah, and and that's it. If, if you're listening and you think there's a competition or there could be somebody else, stop. It's Sean Clifford's show for 12 games. It should be Sean Clifford's show for 12 games. But now for him, Tom, how does he take the next step? 
for me, he has to call his own game out there this year. It needs to be his show. There is no James Franklin and Mike Yurcich need to have sit down with every quarterback and say, yo, listen, it's Sean's show. That's it. We're moving on. Right. Sean needs to know that. The rest of the quarterbacks need to know that. Franklin, they, everybody needs to know that. There can't be him looking over his shoulder. Right. He he needs to really take a hold of his last year as a starting quarterback and lead this team the way a Penn State quarterback should lead his football team. Um Mike Yursich here in year two with Sean Clifford. He needs to hand him the keys and say, all right, go drive the car. I don't want to see Sean looking over at the sideline every five seconds looking for an answer or waiting for somebody from upstairs in the booth to call down to Yurcich to relay to Sean Clifford what the coverage is. Here's the play. I don't want to see that. Let Sean Clifford make those decisions. Let him call the game and go play. Give him options. I think he needs to have a better plan versus some of the things he sees out there defensively. I mean, obviously, calling his plays with that go hand in hand. You know, Tom, I, I think... Um, you think of baseball. You play baseball? When I was a kid, yes. Right. So as a quarterback, that was something I always thought of. Like when I was, you know, uh, Nolan Ryan's fast pitch was called the express, right? So when you're batting, you set for the express, you adjust to the rest, right? I'm setting fastball, fastball, fastball. If I get something else, I'll adjust to it. For me, that's what I thought of as a quarterback, right? Where are we on the field? What's the situation? First down, second and short, third and medium, third and short, red zone backed up. My preparation throughout the course of the week has prepared me for those moments, right? Oh, you know, this Ohio State loves to play man here. I'm ready for man. This is what I'm going to do versus man. But guess what, Tom? They throw something else. Oh, all right. I'll adjust to it. Now here's my call. Here's what I can go to. Here's what I can get to. You always have to be ready. And if you're confused, you have rules in place. You're confused. They change things up, something unexpected. Go back to your rules. Go back to those things you've installed early on that'll always be there for you to have. Um, I think he can do it. I think he's as good of a player as, you know, physically and mentally. I think they're both going to be able to match up for him this year. There's no reason why he can't go out and have a very successful season. Veyer is a backup. Am I, is it Veyer, right? We're saying that now? Veyer, yeah. And I firmly Veyer. believe he's going to be the number two guy. For all yeah. the Penn State fans that were hoping that Drew Allar, the, the five-star recruit, was going to come in and blow the doors mm-hmm. off everybody, based on everything we've heard since winter workouts, that is not the case. It's not to say that Drew can't be something spectacular. That's not to say that Bru- Bo Perbula can't be something yeah. spectacular. But Christian Veyer has the benefit of having actually played last season, been in the system for a little while. I fully expect Veyer to be the number two. Yeah, you're right. And um, again, and end the conversation there, right? Yeah. There, there's, there, the I, I know guys, people would love for there to be a bigger conversation, yeah. but I think this got snuffed out really early this year. I, it's I kind think of, people it's kind of strange. Yeah. I think people had a chance to see them in the spring game. And I just, you, you can do, the, there wasn't a comfort thing, right? And those things take time. Like the, they, they, they really do get comfortable where you're at in a new environment on a new team. Expectations are certainly high, but it's, it's Clifford and then it's Veyer, right? And Veyer has played and he's done well when he's played, right? So, and if you're thinking, well, you know, the spring, the training camp, they could have, no, they, no, they, 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 there's no way these young quarterbacks could have made that much progress over the past three months to push for a backup role or to even push to be a starting quarterback. I remember because I had the opportunity to be a part of that Big Ten Network team um, for the spring game, Tom. Yes, I remember you're on Mike the Yersich, I remember Mike Yersich talking about these young quarterbacks saying, you know, it takes time to develop. There's signs that they'll be good quarterbacks, but at that point in time, it was nowhere where it needed to be from a consistency standpoint, right? And that's what you look for as your quarterback. You look for consistency. Yeah, so uh, that's something to keep an eye on, but it's still, it's Sean Clifford's show, period. 
Um, let's move to, uh, I'd like to talk about the offensive line because next to quarterback and Sean Clifford, the offensive line is far and away the most important thing for this Penn State offense. I thought it was really interesting that James Franklin uh, on a media day this past weekend um, elected not to comment really extensively on what he thought of the projection for the offensive line. And I think mostly because he's been kind of proven wrong by the group for multiple years in a row now and that he's thought, oh, they're they're taking good steps. This player looks good. This guy looks really sharp. And then ultimately the group has uh, let the team down in some respect. And I'm not saying there's no effort or whatever. It's just that expectations were one thing and then results were another thing. James Franklin elected to not really say much. And he said, I'm just going to let their play do the talking. When you hear that about the offensive line, does that make you feel confident or does it make you worried? It kind of makes me feel confident because it sounds like he knows something we don't, right? I and that's agree. the way it should be. That's that's the way it should be when it comes to the offensive line. Go play, right? You know, and, and for me, when I look at it, Tom, I think there's four four positions there that that are solidified, in my opinion, right? Olu Fashionu, Juice Scruggs, Caden Wallace, and I know James. You said hasn't said much about it, but going back to the spring, he said Caden, Juice, Olu. Those three spots have a chance to be an improvement from what they've had, right? We know there's competition mm-hmm. at guard, but there's no reason as to why Sal, Sal Wormley won't be that other guard spot. So really, who are you putting at the other guard spot? Is it is it is it Landon Tangwall? Um, is it J.B. Nelson, right? You know, I, I, I'm okay with maybe two guys, you know, figuring out who can be in that guard spot, dude. But when once you're going down the road of of not knowing what you have at three spots, maybe, then you create problems. If you have four guys right now that you feel good about that are going to be your starting quarterback and two guys possibly battling for a left guard spot or two or three guys, I think you're in a pretty good position right now, especially since the offensive line struggled at times last year. And it is one of the bigger question marks, not just on this offense, but on the whole team. Yeah, I expect uh, Landon Tangwall to be the guy. I think there was a lot of conversation about him, especially uh, the back end of the season. He got put in a lot of situations where we spoke to Eric Wilson earlier in the season, and he spoke very highly of the way Tangwall, as a freshman, jumped in and really didn't seem phased by the moment. And also uh, Vega Ioni, I, I hope I'm getting his name correct, but he's an incoming player that I think is really going to be solid for the future. You could see him as a rotational guy. And let's not forget about Hunter Norzad, the, tra- uh, the transfer from Cornell. I think that's another important piece. But uh, I agree with you in terms of that upper echelon of the guys you expect to start. Here And here, here's the thing too, Tom, right, where I think, and I, and I mentioned that having those four guys kind of solidified this early in camp and a few weeks out from the season, right? I th- the the there needs to be some type of continuity there. These guys need to learn how to communicate with one another. Um, they did struggle at times last year with getting to the second level. Um, they're, they're, they struggled with stunts in games up front. And what those are, you know, defensive guys crossing, just trying to confuse you. Miscommunications left and right with that, right? There has to be a – they need to take pride right in that run game, right? It needs to be a part of their identity. And that starts with communication. Now there's no excuse anymore for a lack of miscommunication. We know James Franklin and his staff made it a point to run the football this spring. They committed to running the football this spring. You have to think they're doing the same thing right now in training camp. 
To that point, let's talk about position players, especially the running backs. Um, basically, it looks like Kevon Lee is going to be the starter, but starter and in terms of like the, the ratio to which he's going to be on the field versus somebody like the incoming freshman Nick Singleton. Um, I believe those are probably going to be 1A and 1B for this running game. Katron Allen as well as there, Kaziah Holmes. Um, you also have, uh, gosh, I'm at, uh, Devin Ford is definitely going to be uh, mm-hmm. you know, a factor somewhere in there. But I think that's going to be your top three in terms of running backs. You expect anything different or do you expect Singleton to be the guy come Purdue? Yeah, it's hard, right? You know, because of what Kevon Lee has done over the past few years. Um, I, I think he's been consistent at the running back spot for them. And we, I remember we we talked about this last year. He started to find out who he was as a running back, right? It wasn't two, North, three South, cuts. Buddy. North, yes. South. Yeah, it's, exactly. It wasn't two or three cuts. And then I'm trying to go and I'm trying to create, right? He started to make that one cut and go. And I think if they can get across to him, like, listen, this is the way we need you to run the football, right? Hit the hole, go. You're 230, 235 pounds, right? See where your guard's going. See where your tackle's going. Hit the hole, go make a play, get positive yardage for us. Why? Because the next play, I may run out Nick Singleton, who nobody's going to be able to catch on the football field, right? He has that breakaway speed. And once he gets to the outside, he's gone. Nobody in the stadium is going to catch him. That's something Kevon Lee doesn't really have at this point in time. So the question becomes, Tom, what is the rotation? How are going to how how are you going to use three, four, five running backs? How do you split carries? Um, and, and here's the thing too, and I just mentioned it earlier. James talked about how committed they were to running the football in the spring, right? Again, we should all feel like they're doing that again right now. Who are we? in the run game, who are we at the running back spot? Who are we at the the offensive line spot? How do we figure out this problem? There's no excuse for it anymore. There's no excuse to go out and say, well, we couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. We're still figuring out who we are at the run game. There's no excuse for that, right? We dealt with that last year. You've had a whole year to figure out that problem now. So if there's any confusion as to what's going on at the running back spot or even the offensive line spot there in West Lafayette in week one, that's on James and the coaching staff. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Again, I, I really think it's going to be three guys. I think it's going to be Kevon Lee, Nick Singleton, who apparently has done fantastic ever since he stepped foot on campus and has had a very good camp thus far, um, uh, according to all reports. And then I think you're going to see Katron Allen. Uh, I've said this before in kind of the the Jonathan uh, Lovett kind of position, the way that Lovett was used sparingly last year, but just like every once in a while, a little dash here and there on offense uh, could go a long way. So that's what I'm expecting. I Nothing against Holmes and Ford. Those guys have talent, and Ford has had his ups and downs as a Nittany Lion, but I still think you're going to see that top three really get used in there. Holmes and Ford are going to 
maybe get utilized, but it's all going to depend on situations. And And here's the thing, too. And here's the thing, too, Tom, real quick. And and again, uh, Holmes and Ford, extremely talented football players, can help you win games, can help contribute. But it's almost like, all right, we we need to give somebody else a look because that's not it's not working. Yeah. yeah. Um, Let's talk about wide receivers and tight ends, which. these two positions are chock full of talent and and it was the same kind of situation last year obviously you lose Jahan Dotson it's no small feat to replace a first round pick in the NFL draft so uh credit to Jahan Dotson however I'm of the mind Parker Washington steps right into the number one position and we don't see Penn State miss a beat Um, I thought it was really interesting especially during the blue white game you and I talked about in our uh, recap is that Parker Washington slid into the Dotson role and that he was returning punts and kicks. At least mm-hmm. it was the blue white game, but still he was just kind of moving right into that position. Different athlete than Jahan, but still I think Parker Washington is the guy and Penn State fans should feel very, very confident about that. What do you think looking at the group and the, and the depth overall at wide receiver? Again, I remember James talking about the wide receiver group in the spring and he thinks it's the best two deep they've had. Right. I mean, Parker Washington, man to man coverage, he's open. It's as simple as that. Everybody in the stadium can know that you're throwing him the football and it shouldn't matter. That's how good this guy is. But what happens again when you're going to roll coverage or, you know, put two guys on him here? That's when you're going to see Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, that's when you're going to see Lambert Smith. Those one, two, three right there are very good. They have a chance to be very explosive and very dangerous. But where do you go from there, Tom? Right. You know, uh, Malik Mega could be another guy who expectations are, you know, are certainly high for him. Um, you know, uh, Mike Yersich, I remember called out uh, Harrison uh, Wallace the third, right? He said he stood out, you know, throughout the spring. Um, Amari Evans, Yersich just said he's got burst. So mm-hmm. they, I think it seems like they feel like they have some depth. Obviously, guys haven't played a lot of football yet, but they feel like they have depth. Um, and these guys could potentially, you know, all contribute. We, and we'll see how things play out um, throughout the course of training camp. But I'm I'm pushing all my chips in on, on those on those first three guys I mentioned. Though those, those guys have the potential to compete with some of the better wide receiver groups in all the Big Ten. Yeah, I expect Malik Mega. The expectations are high. However, he's probably the number four, and he's somebody yeah. who it sounds like they're giving him a limited route tree, and it's like, hey, take the top off the defense. You're big, you're tall, you're fast, and it seems like he's still adding pieces here and there. I personally hope we see Keandre Lambert-Smith take a real step because I think he has to in order to be that designated number three slot wide receiver because otherwise he's not going to be on the field very much because there's three very talented tight ends that also deserve to be on the field. And and here's the thing too with with the number four like Malik Mega Tom. It's okay to just give him a handful of routes and say, go run these handful of routes great. Mm-hmm. Right? Not, you know, if somebody that just doesn't have a scheme have, for that well, because if you put yes. him out there and everybody and their brother knows he's running a go route or he's running a post, yeah. it's like, okay, easy to cover. Well, you build the kind of build the play around it, right? If he's good at deep crosses, if he's good at backside digs or post routes or something like that, and then you just build the concept, you build the play around what his strengths are. But for a guy like Mega, who doesn't have a ton of experience, who has potential but just needs experience, take the option routes out of it, right? Don't 
push him out on the field and say, all right, if it's cover two, run the post. Um, if it goes one high, you're staying vertical up the seam, right? Take the thinking out for it. Let those guys play fast and then let them build into that all around, all around um, wide receiver. Like it's the inexperienced guys that just need a little more confidence and a little bit more experience um, before they really start to get rolling. Tight ends, no surprises, strange, Warren, Johnson, um, last year, you and I kept talking about them, expecting them to to take over games or a lot of different um, utilizations for these guys by Mike Yursich. We saw uh, Tyler Warren in that wildcat position quite a bit. He had experience as a high school quarterback. Um, Brenton Strange continues to be probably uh, the guy, but still all three of them can really be dangerous. Uh, do you expect to see that leap taken by all three of them this season? Because we were expecting it last year. Yeah, I agree that it's one of the best tight end rooms in America. Absolutely. I, 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 and that's something you started to see as the season went on was the potential in that tight end room. And we were calling for more opportunities yeah. for those tight ends to make plays. We were calling for it um, in the spring even, right? Focus on the tight ends. They can, be, they, can, they can be dominant for you. They can create so many possibilities for you as an offensive play caller and you as an offense. They all have the potential to be split out wide, you know, shifts, motions, right? All these guys can move. All these guys can run. There's no reason, Tom, when we're sitting here in the first week of December, there's no reason why they sh that group, they shouldn't have collectively 70 to 75 to 80 catches. That should be a real possibility. And if Mike, I'm like Yersich, that's a focus for me. So that is the offensive look. Let's switch over to the defense here because of the two units. Um, I expect to see the most change from what it was in 2021 to 2022 uh, in regards to the defense. Last year, you used the phrase earlier, Ben, but don't break. That was very much the theme for the 2021 defense. There's going to be a lot more risks taken under Manny Diaz, the new defensive coordinator, former head coach at the University of Miami. He utilizes certain positions very differently, especially linebacker and safety. We're going to get into that in a moment. The position I'm looking at outside of safety, especially, is the defensive line, because, Matt, there are legitimately a dozen guys that can <laughs> yep. contribute and then a plausible six to seven guys that could be starting like you have a really good idea of oh, yeah. okay you're probably going to see pj mustafer you're going to see nick tarburton um as starters and then it's a lot of guys where we've been talking about for you know the the life of this podcast and then i i know penn state fans have been thinking about it for a couple of years with a few guys but adisa isaac akeem beeman devon ellies Kaziah izzard like there's chop robinson who just transferred from the university of maryland there's so many guys where it's like okay the potential's there realize it here's what i'll say before we get into the breakdown of the defensive line they have to be better against the run the four-man rush needs to be better against the pass there were a lot of missed tackles in the bowl game tackling needs to be a lot better the misdirection from arkansas um Killed. really hurt really hurt that front seven so those are all things i'm looking you know to watching there in week one um against purdue but you're right I mean, there's a collection of guys who can easily play those four positions. And I'm really interested to see, again, like I mentioned with the running backs, what is Manny Diaz going to do with the rotation of these guys, right? He's talked about emptying the tank, right? You've got four defensive linemen. They go out there, give everything they have. 
boom, here comes another four, rotate. You know, they empty the tank, boom, here comes another four guys, they rotate like that. They can do that because of the depth and talent that they have. But how will that work? That's one of the things that, um, again, I'm really looking forward to watching and see how he breaks that down and how he's able to do that. You mentioned Tarburton, Mustafer, uh, Kaziah, Adisa, Isaac. Those very well could be those front four guys. Smith Vilbert has a ton of potential. Um, you know, we, we got a good look at him, um, you know, late in the year and especially in that bowl game. He guesses a lot, though, um, but he's long. He covers ground. Um, he just needs to hold the edge a little bit better in the run game, but he's another guy who can make a big impact this year. Zane Durant, you know, it's funny. I saw a quote, Tom, um, Zane Durant's high school coach had said in his 23 years of coaching, Zane Durant is the best player that he's ever coached. Zane Durant you know, was opening eyes and winter workouts at defensive tackle. And then let's not forget another freshman that uh, arrived late on campus this year, deny Dennis Sutton at defensive end. Yes, There's some people yes. who think he could jump in and rotate a defensive end because the pass rush last year was Arnold Ebiketti against the world. No disrespect yeah. to Jesse Lucetta. He, he had his opportunities, but still it was Arnold Ebiketti who was one of the best in the big 10. Um, they need to really step up when it comes to rushing the passer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested to see where Durant mixes into this rotation. Diaz said, uh, Zane Durant will be a problem for big 10 teams throughout his career. So that, and that was back in the spring. So clearly they feel strong about this kid. Um, and think he can make, you know, an, an, an immediate impact. And you mentioned Damian chop Robinson. I remember calling a Maryland game, um, you know, and he played in it and he's a five-star recruit. They were really high on him at Maryland here. And then I saw, obviously, he transferred to Penn State. Um, but don't forget about this guy. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he makes an immediate impact for Penn State early in the season. Let's shift our focus to, uh, I want to kind of combine linebacker and defensive back here because, as I mentioned, uh, this is where Manny Diaz gets exotic. He's going to provide a lot more pressure, allegedly blitzing a lot more. So th there's chances that this team could give up more points than we've seen in the past. There is uh, a designation that Manny Diaz likes to use within his, uh, his secondary or the second level of the defense called the striker position. Can you mm -hmm. explain that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's kind of like that hybrid role right? Striker hybrid role, that position. I mean, basically, you know, the, what, the way I look at it, the way I look at it as like a quarterback, if I'm walking up to the line of scrimmage and you've got a striker, if you got, or you got somebody in a hybrid role, you're basically saying, listen, we, we have a talented guy here who we think is capable enough to stop the run. If you're going to run the football against us. Um, but also if you want to pass, he's equally good in the pass game. So do whatever you want here, because essentially it's like we have three linebackers on the field, but at the same time, it's almost like we have five defensive backs on the field because we feel like we have a guy who's good enough and experienced enough to be able to do it all. And it feels like that's what James Franklin and Manny Diaz think they have um, in a guy like Jonathan Sutherland. But when you watch Sutherland, like you can tell how smart he is of a player that he really understands what offenses um, are trying to do. He tackles well. And he, he, I mentioned the run game. He's a type of player. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there and make plays in the run game. And he's athletic enough to cover everything, you know, in the back end, you know, given that he's a, a, a former safety. Um, so I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't disagree, you know, with Manny or um, with James making this decision or making this move. Um, to, to have the defense look like this. But what it's telling me is that, you know, they don't trust the depth or they don't trust what's going on at the linebacker position right now.
Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 Paydirt15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Yeah, linebacker, obviously, we all know Curtis Jacobs. Uh, Curtis Jacobs is going to be the incoming guy uh, here at linebacker. You're going to see probably Abdul Carter. Keon Wiley is a name that has jumped mm-hmm. up. Uh, Robbie Dwyer as well. Kobe King and Jamari Budden are two guys that have really kind of jumped ahead, and that is something James Franklin has talked about between King and Budden is that that's where the competition is throughout August. So we will continue to keep an eye on that. Let's talk about defensive back safety, especially uh, this is where Diaz mixes things up because he likes to use three safeties and you're going to have Jair Brown. You're going to have Zaki Wheatley. You're going to have Jalen Reed. You're also going to have Keaton Ellis, who is consistent, but never really breathtaking at any given point. But you have four guys that you can really rotate in there and create some mismatches. Plus, um, the rest of the defensive backs, you return Joey Porter Jr. You've got Daquan Hardy as well. Um, what do you think this secondary is going to look like? There, yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of depth there. It's just about figuring out where guys are going to go, what 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 that what those pieces can look like. Obviously, Joey Porter Jr. potentially be a first round guy this year. Can, Absolutely, can play, can play coverage, can play man, can do whatever whatever you want him to do on a football field. He's that good and. You know, I fully expect him to take the next step as not being one of the better defenders in all of the Big Ten, but in all in, all in college football, he certainly has that talent. What could that look like opposite him? Um, you know, Kalen King, right, has to be better in man coverage if he really wants to be a featured corner there. And you mentioned the safety position. Is Jair Brown job to fill that role now that Jaquan Brisker has left? And we, I fully expect him to be able to do that, to be the leader of that defense. Um, he covers ground extremely well. He tackles well. He's everything that you look for um, in a safety. You know, I think it could be Jalen Reed opposite him. You can tell that kid is athletic. He sees the field really well. Um, and again, Ellis is, has played a lot of football. Um, you know, he started, you know, before at the safety position. My question becomes, though, Tom, with all these guys and all the talent and the depth that they have and corners and safeties, what do you do with Daquan Hardy? I, I personally would love to see him continue to be in the slot. It sounds like Johnny Dixon has a very nice camp. Um, right. Marquise Wilson continues to be floating around that conversation. And I think one thing that's very interesting is that the only player who's designated as, quote, a defensive back, not a cornerback or a safety, defensive back is Tyrese Mills. Allegedly, mm-hmm. he's opened some eyes. So I, I personally hope to continue to see Daquan Hardy as your slot corner, but still obviously still a starter. What do you see? And and here and that and that's the question that I have is what do you do with Daquan Hardy? Because he had played that nickel role a year ago and did a fantastic job of it. But if I'm now putting Sutherland in that hybrid striker role, do I really need to play more nickel defense? I, I, I don't know what that could look like for Manny Diaz and this defense, because for me, if you now bring Daquan Hardy in and bump out a linebacker, then you're essentially going to have Daquan Hardy, Curtis Jacobs, and Jonathan Sutherland there. And so for, like, for me, when I look at that, like it, it's, it has to be 
in obvious passing downs. Because even though you feel like you have this striker hybrid role guy, to me, there's still six defensive backs on the field. And I'm going to run it right down your throat every single time if, you, if you're going to do that or you're going you're to try to bring in more D-backs. He, he, Daquan Hardy needs to play and he needs to play a lot. So I'm very interested to see what role Manny Diaz has in store for him. Very quickly on special teams, Jake Pinnegar is expected to be the guy as the as the kicker. Um, I'm thrilled that Barney Amore is a guy who separated himself as a punter, and I'm thrilled about that, not necessarily because of the individual, but because James Franklin is not necessarily giving all of the kicking roles to one guy. <laughs> I love Jordan Stout. Great punter, not a great kicker. I'm thrilled to see Jake Pinnegar get this opportunity. I think he is moving into a good position here, but... As all this stuff is marinating here in camp, what I hear over and over again at multiple positions is a lot of depth, but not exactly a lot of certainty in terms of who's the starter and who the guy is at multiple positions. It's encouraging, but it's concerning. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. And that's, but that's what training camp's for, right? You know, you're figuring out who fits where, uh, who fits in what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, and who wants it. Right. I mean, Tom, at the end of the day, that's what it becomes. Who wants it? Who wants this role? Who wants to make an impact? Who wants to be a part of this team? Who wants to run out of that tunnel week one in West Lafayette as the guy, as the starter? Um, If you want it, training camp is the time to take it. Roughly three weeks uh, until the season starts at Purdue on September 1st on a Thursday night. We're going to keep an eye on all the developments in camp here on Paydirt, here on ESPN Radio State College. So stay tuned week to week. Next week, we will have Jordan Norwood as our guest as our August continues. So thank you all so much for joining us here on Paydirt. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN State College next Thursday, again, from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB 11, and at Tom Hannafin. Hater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.